Uh, let's see, you try, I want to make sure I got this right. I'm sure it is in here. got so much to be thankful for tonight, don't we, church? Amen. Amen. Praise his name. Pray for the choir tonight.
thankful for what the Lord's done for us, aren't you? Amen. Amen. Praise His name. You pray as the choir sings this last song tonight.
again. Turn around, fellowship one with another as the fire comes down. It is good to be in the Lord's house. Safely this far, Jesus has brought me. There's no need to doubt him now. Amen? Well, I believe that uh, if he's carried me this far, he's going to carry me the rest of the way through. Don't you? Do you believe that tonight? Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm thankful for what God's done for us. Uh, amen. Haven't we had a wonderful week of meeting so far this week? Amen. Boy, I tell you what... Uh, what a service we had last night. Very unusual, very different. Uh, it was one of those things that uh, towards the end just didn't know what to do. But I like it that way. I'm thankful when it kind of gets out of our hands and ends up in the Lord's hands. It's where it should be all the time. Right, church? Amen. But wonderful, wonderful preaching, a challenge that we received last night. And I'm just excited to see what God's going to do here this evening. Amen. I believe that if we'll be hungry and, uh, you know, just... Uh, you know, expect God to move and thank Him in advance for what He's going to do. I believe that the best is yet to come. Praise God. We do appreciate your presence. Uh, what a beautiful, beautiful week we've had weather-wise. And I have heard that maybe next week it's going to turn cool again. Uh, but thank God for East Tennessee weather. Praise the Lord. You just never know what you're going to get. Uh, amen. Warm for our revival and nasty for Dylan's revival. Hallelujah. So, uh, amen, God answers prayers, all I know to say. But uh, now I say that, I say that. Now, I don't know if you remember this. Nadine probably does. But uh, 2018, the first night of your all's meeting, it snowed. And the reason I know that to be the case is that was the last night of our meeting. We extended through Monday night, and Brother Guy and Miss Wanda traveled over the mountain in the snow uh, in April. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
So, uh, so hey, uh, maybe it's a, maybe it's good, maybe it's a, a, a sign of good things to come. Praise the Lord. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? Amen. We do appreciate uh, what the Lord's doing, and uh, again, we will continue the meeting through Friday night, and then again next week. I want to remind you that uh, Greystone Free Will Baptist Church they will be having their revival services seven o'clock p.m. each night. Uh, Brother Gary Norton will be. Uh, bringing the message. Uh, so uh, if you've never heard uh, Preacher Norton preach, uh, you're, you're, you'll be in for a blessing. Wonderful man of God, loves the Lord, and we're just so excited about uh, those services. I know they're going to have special singing uh, each night. I do want to say this, tomorrow night we're going to have a special treat for you as Living Sanctuary will be with us, Josh and Sherry Knight and the family. So we're excited about them, love them dearly. So it'll be a blessing to have Living Sanctuary in the service with us uh, tomorrow night. Uh, prayer request this evening. I, I do want to mention this. Uh, continue to remember Miss Wanda, her aunt, uh, her mom's sister, uh, the preacher's uh, wife's mom's sister in prayer as she just has a short time to live. So remember uh, her in prayer. Um, and I'll give you an opportunity tonight. I uh, don't want to belabor the point as far as prayer requests are concerned, but there may be something that you would like to share with us here this evening. Prayer needs tonight. Yeah, remember Luke Buchanan. Uh, this is uh, John's and James's dad. As they had to take him to the hospital yesterday with fluid. And then pray for my nephew, Creed. John's youngest son, as he's uh, been battling a high fever all day long, and he's not been feeling good. So remember him in prayer. Any, any others tonight? Okay. Okay. Jim Morrell? Uh, okay. Just remember this need. Uh, Jim Morrell tonight. Jane Lee. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I talked to Michael, and uh, uh, just so tragic. Uh, remember James Lee as he tragically lost his son. Young man, I believe he's in his 20s. Is that right, Chris? Yeah, I believe so. Good to have Chris with us tonight. Uh, Chris, nicely, local uh, barber. If you need somebody to uh, do your hair, he'd be a good candidate, praise the Lord. Uh, even if he knows Michael Brobeck, we won't hold that against him. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Somebody else this evening. No. No. Yeah, if you ever remember Patch the Pirate, uh, Ron Hamilton died uh, yesterday. Uh, he went home to be with the Lord. Also, Charles Stanley. We need to remember that family uh, as well. So um, anytime uh, uh, men of God uh, pass away, it's good for them. But I'm afraid we're losing more than we're replacing. Would you agree with that this evening? Amen. Any others? Okay, all right. And we can do that. Don't let me forget. Did you say Brandy Moran? Varan. Remember this prayer request. Also one that I meant to mention, uh, Anita Salsman. I don't know if y'all remember Anita Salsman. Uh, we were privileged to lead her husband, Bruce, to the Lord uh, early in the ministry, myself and Brother Bruce Stafford, and uh, related to Josh and his family. But Anita's been in the hospital with some lung issues, and she just wanted 
uh, me to tell the church she loved, loved us, and uh, let's just continue to pray for her. She is at home now, so praise God. Anyone else? Pray for the service tonight. I don't want to just go through the motions. Don't want to just, uh, uh, you know, sing and, and pray and take up the offering and hear the message. Well, let's just pray that the Lord really uh, visits us in a special way as he did last night. God was here last night. Praise the Lord. Amen. Maybe not necessarily in a pleasant way. Uh, you know, it's not all about the shouting and, and the excitement, but sometimes it's just that holy hush. And that's kind of the way it was here this evening, or last night. And we need more of that, church. I'm afraid we approach the house of God uh, many ways, or many times, in, in too frivolous of a manner. And uh, amen. We need to, to approach the house of God in a time of worship in a very sober and a serious manner. Amen. These are perilous times, and we need the Lord today more than we ever have. Any other prayer needs tonight? Anybody have an unspoken request? Amen. Lost loved ones we need to remember in prayer. Amen. Let's not pray, forget to pray for the lost. Pray for our young people, uh, our teenagers and our children. We had a good number of young people here last night, not just from our church, but some from Dylan's church. And um, amen. I'll tell you, I'm thankful for I, I'm behind every young person that has a desire to serve Jesus. If we don't support them, they don't stand a fighting chance because they're facing more of an uphill battle than we could ever imagine. So we need to ag them on and encourage them in their faith. All right, we'll gather around the altar. If you'd like to join us, you can do so. If not, pray there in your seats, please. Michael Barham, lead us in prayer, brother. Father, we thank you, God, tonight for this uh, another privilege we have just to come into your presence. Lord, magnify your name and exalt uh, our Savior, Lord, the one uh, who's worthy of all our praise. And Lord, uh, Lord, I could never thank you or praise you enough for what you've done for us. And Lord, just how good, uh, Lord, you've been. And Lord, how blessed we are, Father, just to congregate one more time, Father, for a night of service. Thank you for everyone that's here. God, we just pray, Father, tonight, Lord, that our gathering would not be in vain. Lord, that we wouldn't just approach, Lord, this service, Lord, just in a casual way. But, Lord, we just uh, do so anticipating, Father, that whatever it is we stand in need of, that you would be the one that, to give it to us. Lord, as we first uh, are faithful and quick to offer up our prayer unto your throne. Lord, I just pray tonight from beginning to the end that your presence might be real. Uh, God, I pray that you just, uh, uh, Lord, might, uh, uh, Lord, uh, move in our midst. And Lord, I pray work in our hearts, God, uh, through every aspect of our worship service. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you just bless uh, the preaching hour. Bless the man of God as he comes to uh, to preach the word to us, God, Lord, use him, uh, and Lord, preach through him, Father, Lord, give him an option, Lord, tonight, and Lord, I pray that your word, God, might, uh, uh, Lord, just might, uh, uh, Lord, just 
take uh, root in our hearts and bear an abundance of fruit in our lives, dear Jesus. And Lord, I pray that we would not be hearers of the word only, but doers of the word also. And Lord, we just um, are going to uh, praise you, God, ahead of time for what we believe you're going to do in this service. Lord, bless the revival meeting next week at Greystone. Bless Dylan. Lord, bless Preacher Norton. Every one that takes part in those services. Lord, thank you, Lord, for the support that Greystone gave to us last night. Help us to return the favor next week. Bless every prayer request received there. Lord, we love you. We praise you for who you are and what you do for us. Lord, God, we praise you through, through eternity, God, for what you do tonight. Lord, we're lost. We'll uh, receive our love offering at this time, and I do want to remind you that everything you give this week will go to um, for the guy and Miss Wanda. And uh, you give as the Lord has blessed and prospered you. Uh, amen. Invest the resources. In re invest your finances in the Lord's work. You know, there's some investments that we make in life that, uh, that uh, end up being a loss rather than a gain. Friend, you can't uh, invest in the work of God and, uh, and lose. Amen. You'll always, uh, you'll always gain. More than you could ever give. Amen? I believe that. Anthony, you lead us in prayer tonight. Stand, take your red book. The old red back hymnal 313. Page 313, turn that around again, please. Though others would be lonely when all their friends are gone, my Lord is ever standing by my side. A heavy load upon me, and yet I'm pressing on, because I found a Savior, friend, and guide. Oh, yes, I have somebody with me to share the heavy load. I feel His presence near me every day. And although trouble overtakes me along life's weary road, I have somebody with me all the way. In bitter toil and sorrow and heartaches not a few, a consolation sweet is mine each day. And soon I'm going home tomorrow when life is through. I have somebody with me all the way. Sing now. Oh, yes, I have somebody with me to share the heavy load. 
I feel his presence near me every day. And although trouble overtakes me along life's weary road, I have somebody with me all the way. And the last now, some folks have lots of pity. They say I'm sad and lone, but I don't need their sympathy at all. At all, for in that golden city, the Lord's prepared a home. I'm leaving when I hear the... Oh, yes, thank God for that. Oh, yes, I have somebody with me to share the heavy load. I feel His presence near me every day. And although trouble overtakes me, Along life's weary road, I have somebody with me all the way. Turn to 365, 365 tonight. I'm thankful that there's nobody like Jesus. Amen. Let me say that again this evening. There's nobody like Jesus. Amen. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. None else can all our souls' diseases. No, not one. No, not one. Jesus knows all about us. Yes, He will guide till the day is done. There's friend like the lowly Jesus. One, no, not one. No friend like Him is so high and holy. No, not one. No, not one. And yet no friend is so meek and lowly. No, not one. No, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend the Jesus no, not one, no, not one. On the fourth, did ever saint find this friend? Sake him. No, not one, no, not one. Or sinner take, not take him. No, not one, no, not. Sing now. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. I love this last verse. Sing it unto the Lord. Was there a gift like the same? Heaven, heaven. No, not one, no, not one. Will he refuse us a home 
be seated. I'm going to ask my family to come and sing a couple tonight. Amen. Appreciate them. Amen. I have to appreciate them, right? I'm outnumbered.
And those simple things that I was doing, their memories keep drawing me. I must confess, Lord, I've been blessed. Yeah, my soul's not satisfied. Josh and Ashley, y'all come and sing a couple for us.
unchanging world, I'm thankful we serve an unchanging God, aren't you? The Bible says, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of a turning. And I'm glad that He's Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Aren't you thankful that some things never change? Hallelujah. All right.
Amen. He didn't promise that he'd uh, keep us from the storm, but he did say that he'd go with us every step uh, of the journey. Amen. Do you believe that tonight? Amen. If I didn't know that I had Jesus, uh, what would I do? Amen. Praise God. Lord, give me this song a couple of months ago. Praise God. I've never considered myself a songwriter. Amen. This is the need of today for sure. Uh, why would you ask such a thing? You'll find it. I'm not sure. You're supposed to know these things. Should be cued, Mike. Hopefully.
When a man starts preaching boldly, they quickly will despise. Spare not the cry aloud. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Spare not the cry aloud. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Spare not the cry aloud. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. The word of God still needs to be proclaimed. Now we need some old time preachers who boldly share the word. Be instant out of season. Let their voice be heard. The Bible's still the answer for everything that's wrong. So men of God, start standing and tell it loud and strong. Spare not or cry aloud. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Spare not or cry aloud. Lift up your voice like a trumpet, spare not, cry aloud. Lift up your voice like a trumpet, the word of God still needs to be proclaimed. I said the word of God still needs to be proclaimed. the Lord I believe that this evening thank God for his word aren't you glad for the word of God tonight and that's why we're here and that's what we're going to do now is hear the man of God preach the word of God so you uh, pray for brother Roberts as he comes to us tonight and brings the message brother you come thank you brother all right take your Bibles to Acts chapter 18 Acts chapter 18 all right. Good to see everybody here tonight. Appreciate you being here. 18th chapter of Acts. Um, I hope if you're learning anything from our messages starting Monday night in the last couple of nights, um, the Apostle Paul's life was difficult. Uh, it was hard. Um. I honestly believe, and I'm speaking to me, I'm not just talking to y'all, I'm speaking to us, I'm, I'm involved in this. We've gotten real soft. Um, I, I refer to it as spoiled. And I refer to myself as being spoiled. I, I'm not saying you're spoiled. I'm going to say I'm spoiled. We, we just feel like that if God's going to use us it's always got to be like convenient or like not out of our comfort zone or there's not cost involved. And that's just so not the story of the gospel. It's not the story of Jesus' life. 
And it's certainly not the story of the Apostle Paul's life. If we've learned anything about the Apostle Paul, even just the minor details of just dragging those parchments around while he's being inspired by God to write Scripture, I don't even know when he did all the stuff that he did. I, I, don't, I don't see how he mended tents in the middle of all that. So I just want you to think about, before we dive into Acts 18 tonight, and we saw it in 20, uh, we'll see it more tomorrow night in 1 Corinthians 16 if the Lord lets us go there. Paul's life was just complicated. We saw two great truths last night in, in Acts chapter 20 when he talked about how that he knew that when he went to Jerusalem, he didn't know all the details, but he knew when he got to Jerusalem it wasn't going to be good. He knew there was going to be stuff going on and it looked like he would be bound. And he was. He was imprisoned when he left Jerusalem. So, so he understood that the peripheral outside stuff in life was going to be really difficult but that wasn't going to stop him from going because of the verse that we looked at kind of towards the end of the message. Because he'd already made up his mind in his heart that that stuff out there wasn't going to deter or decide what he was going to do with his life. Amen. See, you'll be manipulated, and I have. You'll be manipulated by all the outside stuff if you have not surrendered your heart to the Lord if you've never just decided that your life isn't dear, that just simply means that what God wanted him to do was a lot more important than what he wanted to do. Right. So we kind of learned that last night. So I just kind of want you to keep thinking about the things that you've used as excuses why you don't do whatever it is the Lord wants you to do. As we keep working through these passages. When you get to Acts chapter 18... If you go back to the 17th chapter of Acts, he, he's just been in Athens, and it, and it didn't go real well in Athens. I mean, he's by himself, and he's trying to take a few days off, and that doesn't go well. And he sees all those people worshiping images, and the next thing you know, he's up there on the Mars Hill, and he's talking to all these brainiacs, and they're calling him a babbler, and... By the time he gets to the end of the message, there's a, there's a guy and a gal and a few others that's maybe received the gospel. So it hadn't been really fruitful, visibly speaking. So when you get to the 18th chapter of the book of Acts, I mentioned this the other night when we pulled out some verses from this chapter and this story from the 18 months that he was in Corinth, which was the longest he had stayed anywhere up until that time. But everywhere he went, he only stayed somewhere between three and four months, basically because he would get run out of town. I mean, he would be beaten or stoned or whatever. I mean, it just, it never went well. Again, he had every reason just to quit. He had every reason to think, if I keep doing what the Lord wants me to do, my life's going to get worse. And see, most of our lives, I don't have any sob stories. I mean, I got some, but they ain't even worth being talked about when you look at his. Amen. 
And we're not talking about Jesus tonight. We're just talking about one of his followers. In fact, he was literally told by Ananias when he got up, so to speak, from the altar, just gotten saved, said you need to tell him that he's going to suffer many things for my name's sake. Um, that's, that's really a great thing to hear right after you got saved. You're going to suffer a lot. See, that's just a deterrent to most of us. I mean, if enough people don't show up or if enough people don't appreciate it or if enough people don't help or if there's a little bit of hurt or if there's a little bit of frustration, I mean, we all got stories. We all got reasons. But I'm just telling you, if, if you're really going to accomplish some things for Christ, you, you're going to have to get past that because you're not going to read a story in the book of Acts or any of the books that he wrote about his life that it was not difficult Philippians, the epistle of joy, was written from prison. And he says, the things that happened to me, like, like fell out in my life, and they weren't accidental, they were providential, they were planned by his father. He said, but it was for the furtherance of the gospel. So I'm good with that. I just don't know if we're good with that. We want it to be easy, comfortable, no, no, no hardship. So when he gets to Corinth in verse 1 of Acts chapter 18, I feel like he's discouraged. I feel like I know from what I've studied in the journeys of Paul and the other epistles written about this time, I know he's low on money. So he's really discouraged from the previous time in, in Athens and he's low on money, needs funds and I think he might probably get a little money from the Philippian church in this text when, when Timothy shows up so he got a little relief financially so he's low on funds. Number three, he's all alone. There's none of those people that we talked about last night for the last couple of nights. There's no people, it's, it's just Paul. So as we go through this passage, and we'll do tonight what we've been doing. I won't read all the verses just for sake of time. And maybe you can read the verses you know, later tonight or whatever. But in these first six verses, you just see Paul coming to Corinth. And when he comes to Corinth, he meets a couple. Now I want you to learn some stuff about your God tonight. Your God knows where you're at. Your God knows your heart. Your God knows if you're discouraged. Your God knows if you're feeling alone. The God, your God knows if you're wanting to quit. The God, God knows if you're sinning. God knows everything. And so it's not like a coincidence or really good luck that there's a couple that they've just left Italy. They're believers, Aquila and Priscilla. It's not coincidence that he is a tent maker. Paul is a tent maker. It's not coincidence, providence, that this couple and Paul comes to this town at the same time. God knew where Paul was. God knew where Aquila and Priscilla were. And he's just bringing three Christians together. And again, we won't read the verses 
And I'll just kind of tell you the story out of these six verses is they find out, obviously they're believers, but they find out they have the same trade. And here's what this couple does. This couple invites him, Paul, to live in their house. So they just move in with Aquila and Priscilla. Paul gets a back bedroom or whatever house they have, and so he lives with them. It also tells us that Paul's continuing to work. Remember, he's low on funds. Those last verses of Acts chapter 20 last night that we didn't read all the verses, he talks about when he showed them his hands, he said, you know I've worked with these hands. So Paul wasn't scared of work. So in those first six verses when he meets Aquila and Priscilla, he works with him. I'm thinking probably Aquila had some jobs and he gave them to Paul. He's moved. He's set up a new house. He's set up a new business. He's got things to do. But he says, Paul, I got some extra jobs. You do those jobs. So he's sharing his house and he's sharing jobs with the Apostle Paul. Now remember, the Apostle Paul's not famous. Like we think he's famous. You know, we, we kind of give him that he's famous or whatever. Aquila and Priscilla were just Christians booted out of Rome and had to come to Corinth because they were Jews and, and the, 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 the Caesar there was getting rid of Jews and Paul's coming in and they just meet. They're believers. They're one in Christ. Just sitters saved by grace. Paul, you can use a back bedroom and by the way, there's some jobs that I've got that you can have. So in the first six verses, you just understand some things about your God. Your God knows if you're discouraged. Your God knows if you're feeling alone. And he's going to bring some people into your life. I'll promise you Aquila and Priscilla were probably just as excited to meet Paul. And you know Paul was a blessing to them. But Aquila and Priscilla was a blessing to Paul. So God is bringing two people together. But now listen, Aquila and Priscilla's got to be open to letting him stay in their house. I don't care if it's a preacher you just met. You still might not invite him to live in your house. Now again, they didn't have Holiday Inn back in those days or whatever, Quality Inn. Christians were to be hospitable. But they just invited him in. They scratched him out of place. Aquila lost some finances because he let Paul work with him. In those six verses, Paul's still doing ministry with the Jews. There's some issues with the Jews in those first six verses, verses seven and eight. He goes to the Gentiles and begins to work with the Gentiles. Again, he's still just working. Now, again, I just want you to think about the process that Paul's going through. Just the mundane, boring, difficult, not big splash. That's not what Paul was. Can you tell me any place in the New Testament where Paul told us how many churches he started? Well, I've charted 75 churches in the last three years. Do you ever see the apostle Paul talking about numbers of people getting saved? Nothing. There's nothing. Paul wasn't about numbers. I think he might have been discouraged just simply because so many people turned down the gospel. Not necessarily. There was no big night. No big service. No big entourage of people getting saved. So again, 
the struggle of these first six verses, so much so that he told the Jewish people in the synagogues, I'm going to go talk to the Gentiles because you people don't want to hear nothing I say. So he goes to the Gentiles. It was difficult. Again, lots of reasons to stop. Lots of reasons to quit. I hope if we've, we've, we've made any kind of headway in our heart condition this week, it's that one thing, that we will quit giving excuses for why we don't serve Jesus. That we'll just not be satisfied with whatever story we have that pacifies us enough so we can sleep at night and just attend church on Sunday and do nothing for God any other time of our life. I hope we can get past that. I hope I can get past that. That I never just sat down satisfied. That I'm just going to do this and do this because doing that costs way too much. It's way too difficult. It's way out of my comfort zone. It's way too sacrificial, way too costly, and there's not that much dividend in it. So he goes from the Jews, and in verses 7 and 8, he goes to the Gentiles. Now let's look at something else about our Lord. In verses 9 through 11, then spake the Lord, we'll read these verses, then spake the Lord to Paul in, in the night by vision. Now again, I don't know. Some people say Paul was like wanting to quit. I, I don't know what level of discouragement Paul was in. But I do know Paul was going through something for the Lord to show up in a vision at night. So I know something is going on. So in this vision, first thing that comes out of his mouth is be not afraid. So again, if he's telling Paul, be not afraid, guess what Paul was probably? Afraid. I mean, he was human, right? I mean, you get beat in about every city you go into. The next one you'd go into, you'd just say, Lord, is there any way I could go to this city and not get beat up? I don't know anybody that just says, I just love getting whipped, you know? Or that night in the jail when the Macedonian guy got saved, I'm glad he got saved, but could we have got him some other vehicle besides me having to go to jail? So he was afraid maybe. And all God is doing in this particular passage, in this particular night, he's just reminding him, I know how you feel, Paul. And I want to encourage you. Be not afraid. Look at what else it says. But speak and hold not thy peace. But if you're thinking about being quiet, you can't. You can't. And remember, this is Jesus. This is the Lord just showing up, encouraging his man. He's already sent him a couple a couple, they can encourage them. They can sit around in the den at night, tired, kick up their feet. They've been working on tents. He's been preaching in the synagogue. It didn't go that well. Now he's telling Gentile stories. Christmas got saved and some people in Corinth got saved. It was pretty good with the meetings. So they could get encouraged at night. But now the Lord's encouraging him. He said, but speak, hold not thy peace. You cannot be silent. And again, that's, that's our message all week. How many years have you been silent in your neighborhood? How many years have you been silent on your job? Maybe you spoke at one time, but now you're quiet. And again, like I said last night, you're preaching either way. You're preaching either way. Jesus is important because that's all that dude talks about. Or you're silent. Jesus ain't that important. I don't know if I told you this story, and I got New York on my mind. We'll be there in a few months. We got on this, this uh, subway car, 
I, I, this was back in the 90s maybe. And we'd been touring in Manhattan and doing some stuff, and there's like 35 believers on one subway car. And we're sitting there, and I'm sitting right beside this guy in a three-piece suit, an older man right beside me. And this man jumps on the subway. Now, we're, we're on the subway car the whole 50-minute ride from Manhattan back to Brooklyn. So we're riding the whole trip. And this guy pops on. He's a black fella. He pops on and he says his name and he begins for the next 30 minutes to testify about the goodness of God and how he redeemed him and how he changed his life. And this was the greatest thing. The guy in the suit, the big guy, the older guy sitting right beside me, he looked right over at me and he said, that expletive, I'll let you guess what the expletive was, that expletive does this every day. Wow. Now, I don't know who was to encourage who. We got home that night and we spent the night in the basement of church at Brooklyn and we every night we'd kind of talk about the day and everybody was talking about Lawrence, right? We'd been encouraged. You don't get much encouragement in New York. We had tracks ripped up, tracks thrown in our faith. We learned some expletive words ourselves. Uh, it, it, it was a lot of negative, you know. So we was encouraged that night. But I, I threw it back at my team. I said, when's the last time he got on a subway car with 35 believers saying, amen, praise the Lord, patting him on the shoulder when we left the subway yeah. car. I believe Lawrence was encouraged, saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for helping me today. Because I'll promise you, that big dude in the suit, the pinstripe suit he had on, has probably said him that to his face. You're just a whatever. I remember looking at that guy. I promise you, I didn't use an expletive. But I looked right at him, and I said, sir, I'm one of him. I'm telling you, God says, I know you're afraid, but you can't be silent. You can't be silent. I'll help you keep talking. We learned this last year when we went through the book of 1 Peter. If you really want to see Jesus, believe Jesus, and rejoice in Jesus, you're going to have to go through some valleys with Jesus. With Jesus and find out Wow, what a Savior. Man, you can believe him. And you'll find rejoicing in something other than stuff that don't last. Look, look also what he says. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. I'm with you. I'm with you. Every step, every burden, every fear, every issue, everything you go through, I'm with you. And then he gives him something personal. He tells him, nobody's going to hurt you in this city. Now, he didn't promise him, nobody's going to ever hurt you again. But while you're here in Corinth, I'm going to give you a little breather. For 18 months, I'm going to deliver you from some persecution. At least Paul could say, Phew, 18 months off. Y'all... I'm just being honest with you. I ain't preaching at you. I'm talking with you. I don't know how I would have lived Paul's life. 
just throwing out some truth. I said it last night. I've had life too stinking easy. It don't take much to kind of get me, you know, losing air, so to speak. But look at the next thing he says, and this is another reason why you can't quit. For I have much people in this city, and you need up staying there a year and a half. Now, beginning in verse number 12 down to verse 17, I'll not read these verses. It just simply tells us of a ruckus that ended up happening. But again, Paul was delivered. Now, they beat the soup out of a guy named Sosthenes, <laughs> but they didn't touch Paul. Beginning in verse number 18 down to verse number 28, we're introduced a little bit more to Aquila and Priscilla, but we also learn of a guy named Apollos. Apollos was a co-laborer of Paul. They said very, very articulate, very strong preacher. So again, we, we we're introduced to more people in his life. But here's what I want to do for the next few minutes. I want to talk about Aquila and Priscilla. Now, I don't know if you've ever read or thought about or studied out. You won't find them much in the Bible. This is, this is the biggest place you're going to find anything about Aquila and Priscilla. I have nothing in the scriptures to, to propose that they were ever called to ministry in an official sense. Remember, Monday night, we're all called. They got that. That was normal for them. I don't know how long they did what they did. I don't know. The estimates that I have, and I don't know how they know either, but they estimate that maybe for seven to nine years they traveled some with the Apostle Paul. Again, I have no idea. Here's what I know. And I'm going to give you three little things to think about tonight. Here's what I know about two people in the New Testament that didn't go to Bible college, didn't announce some call on the Sunday night or a Thursday night revival meeting, God's called me to preach, God called me to start churches. They just knew as believers they had a story to tell, they had a job to do, they had people they needed to do it with, and they were well open to whatever God wanted. Here's my three little things. Number one, they used their stuff for the gospel. They opened up their home for the gospel. They opened up a back bedroom. She moved stuff around, scratched it clean, dusted it off, put a little picture of a lighthouse maybe on the wall, probably got him a little desk. I said, Paul, you can have that room. We're glad to have you. Now, I know it was a different culture, and we don't do stuff like that. We'd probably bought him a room somewhere. I remember the first time we invited a mission, one of the missionaries. He was from uh, he was from Egypt. wore weird wore weird clothes and cooked weird food. He spoke a, spoke a weird language. So we had him. How, did he stay with us almost like two weeks one time or something? We didn't have two weeks. At night he walked around in this thing looked like a dress. Got me one of them things. I told him I ain't wearing that. I ain't putting that on. I finally did. So he wore a weird thing at night. He put all kind of lotions on at night. 
I mean, he was greased up. He could have slid through something. I mean, quick. Again, culture. Climate over in Egypt, arid, skin was dry. So he oiled up every night, right after bath. He oiled her up. Cooked some of the weirdest food. The stink would be in the house for days. But boy, we created a great friendship. When's the last time you had somebody at your house? When's the last time you had somebody at your house from this church? When's the last time you had somebody from your house in your house that was a lost sinner with nothing more on your mind but getting them to Jesus? You didn't care if they ate your food. You didn't care if they messed up your yard. You didn't care if they appreciated it. You just didn't care. Your stuff belongs to God, and you have no problem using it for his glory. Aquila and Priscilla had no problem saying, Paul, you can come into our house, and you can work out of our house. And by the way, I got some jobs that I'll let you have. I'll lose money so you can make some money. You know Jesus. I know Jesus. Let's work together. Using your stuff for God's glory. I I mentioned it to you the other night. Uh, Mary Beth was one of the kids that came through our house. Every Monday night in our home, uh, we had teenagers. Every Monday night. And again, I mean, they made messes, and it, it was, like I say, it was whatever. And, and Wanda's very meticulous about her home. It was, it, it, was, it was tougher for her, you know. It was out of her comfort zone, you know, to open up her house every Monday night. It's a little bit out of my comfort zone because, you know, I, I just rather kind of just nights just be left alone sometimes or whatever. So it was crazy every Monday night. There was a lot of times we wanted to back out of it because it got messy. It got messy. We got our flesh involved. I don't think they appreciate nothing we're saying. Now, I never told them that, but I was thinking in my head, and God knew what I was thinking in my head. So every once in a while, he wouldn't in a vision show up, but he'd remind me how good he'd been to me and to shut up and open my house up on Monday night and let them kids come on back. Because I don't got no stuff. Oh, I want to claim it. I want to keep it. I want to hold on to it like we talked about last night. I want to grab a hold of my stuff from the breath in my body to the house I live in to the car I drive to the clothes I wear, but it ain't mine. It's his. So how are you using it? How are you using it? They had no problem using their stuff for the gospel. Number two, they had no problem choosing the gospel over their stuff. Because if you read in these verses, in verse number 18, when Paul left Corinth and made his way on to more missionary journeys, you got a little phrase in there, and with him, Priscilla and Aquila. What in the world? Can you see Aquila? I'd have been nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof. She just moved from Italy. Packed up all that mess. Packed up all them little trinkets from Grandpa Joe or whatever. I don't know if they had kids either. I don't know if they had kids. If they had kids, it would be even worse. Can you imagine him walking into the room and saying, um, Paul called her Prisca 
one time. So maybe that's what a quill, maybe that was like her, her pet name. I bet he probably walked in the bedroom that night and said, Prisca, honey. <laughs> what you think about moving? Moving? We just moved. Do you realize the connections you've made in town? Is your business booming? Are y'all feeling it? I want to go with Paul. I want to do what he's doing. I want more of this. Now remember, Sothenes just got beat up. I'm sure Paul told that story. And I could maybe, Prisca, maybe it was Aquila. You know, if we follow him around, we, we might get beat up. That don't sound great, does it? They chose the gospel. They chose doing something for Jesus over their sales, over their stuff. They chose that, and so they left. And you know what's always staggered me in this text? They follow Paul as far as Ephesus, and apparently in Ephesus they kind of got another house, and he probably went back out and said, hey, you don't need tent making, I'm a tent maker. I need to work my business and give make a little money. So they opened up their house there, and you know what Paul did? He left them there and went on his merry way. Now let me just tell you something. Make sure you know who you're following. Because a lot of people would say, well, bless Pete. Led him into that back bedroom, moved all my stuff around, put the lighthouse picture on there, put the desk in there, gave him some of my jobs, and he's got the audacity just to leave us here? They didn't go for Paul. Yep. They went for Christ. I've talked about that a couple of times. That's where people get messed up. I know Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I get that. I get that. But if you're following some man, something, some whatever, and don't have your eyes on Christ, you will get ticked off. You will get offended. You will get hurt to the to place where you'll... You'd go back to Corinth and sit there in Corinth and have, have all your good reasons why I don't go to church no more. Yeah. Uh -oh. Why I ain't teaching Sunday school the rest of my life. You done had your thing happen that's given you all the ammunition you need. I'm just telling you, Aquila and Priscilla chose the gospel, chose Jesus. It was never about Paul. They chose the gospel over their stuff. Number three, and this goes down in uh, chapter 18. Uh, follow with me down to verse number 24. And there was a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. So they're in Ephesus, probably got church in their home, and he's like, like the new preacher coming through, and he's preaching some of the Bible studies or whatever. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So he's deficient. 
Okay? So here's a preacher man, a co-worker of Paul. We'll see his name tomorrow night in 1 Corinthians 16. So a co-worker of Paul, very eloquent, polished, sharp, but deficient. There's an area of maturity and growth that he's not there yet. So in 26, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom, when, Aquila, and Priscilla, man and woman, husband and wife, had heard, they, this, this makes a lot of Baptist preachers nervous, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Now they did it privately. That wasn't in a Bible study or a church service. But that couple set preacher man Apollos down and said, let us help you. That's what the body of Christ does. Can I tell you one of my stories? First church. I don't know why I did it. I'm not saying I haven't done it since. I'm not aware of it. Maybe somebody should have called me on it. But I preached this message one night, and um, oh, I remember it vividly. And that was years ago, and I still remember. I was embarrassed to no end. Mad first. I wish I'd just been embarrassed, confessed, and moved on. But I, I, went, I went through mad. Then I did get to embarrassed and humble and confessed and moved on. But I did do mad first. So I get this call. And it might have helped if her husband called and not her. You know, maybe that's a man thing, whatever. So she calls the preacher, could you come out the house? I said, sure. And I went out of the house, and she invited me to the text that I preached on Sunday night. I'm thinking she's probably got a question. She needs my intelligence to help her out. <laughs> I hope I didn't think that. I might have, though, whatever. So she had this problem with what I said. And I did. I got mad. Now, not, not outward. God knew how mad I got. Because, <laughs> you know, he knows all that stuff. You know, Psalm 139 knows a thought afar off and all that kind of stuff. I don't even understand that, but he knows it. Before them neurons start firing off and it ever gets to a word, he already knows that mess. So he knew what was going on up here. I mean, I was like, you've got to be kidding. You're talking to me. I'm the preacher. <laughs> she was right. Took the text back home, went back. Boy, I was up all night long. I was embarrassed to no end. I was hurt because of God. Because God gave me his book. He made me an ambassador. He made a mouthpiece out of me. Not to give the angle of God's word, but just preach it. Old preacher told me one time, said, buddy, you ain't nothing but a mockingbird. Don't you ever forget it. You just repeat what God's already said. You ain't got nothing original to say. You got nothing to be proud about. God's already said it all. You just restate it. I got a good dose of that that night. I went back out to her house about a week later, apologized to her. I apologized to the whole church. It took me two weeks to do that. <laughs> Took me two weeks to do that. That's not the last time I apologized to a church. But here's my little thing about Aquila and Priscilla. They were ready to invest. 
in others. Did they know everything? No, neither do you, neither do I. But what they knew, they was willing to give out. They were working to know. They were studying the scriptures. They were growing their faith. It wasn't happening on Sundays. It was happening every day of the week. They were scratching in the text. They were pondering the truth. They were growing their faith. So when somebody came up with a little deficient area or whatever, they weren't pointing out and judging them. No, it wasn't a hand, like a finger. It was a hand of help. Can we help you? Can we show you something? That night, that precious lady, I didn't think it was precious at the moment, that precious lady helped this preacher man. And I can tell you, I've had a whole lot of people down through the years with not near the opportunities I've had to get an education or to travel or to preach or whatever that they have not spoken truth and life into my life. Thank you, God, for having somebody ready to invest into me. Are you ready? To invest. Every mom and dad has to be ready to invest. One of the best days of my life is Wednesdays. I pick up my grandson. I look at it as important if I was preaching to the church with a thousand people sitting in it. I got my little man. I got his little ears. He thinks I'm the greatest thing on the planet. He'll learn differently later that I'm an idiot or whatever. But right now, he's just, he's just I've smoothed him. <laughs> and I'm going to use every second to drag him to the foot of the cross. Because I want him to know him. Because that him will go through his life and remind him of truth when my voice is silent. Are you willing to use what you have, what God's blessed you with? It might be a car, might be money, might be, I don't know what it is. You do. You're using it for yourself every day. Find a way to use it for him. Will it hurt? Yep. Will it cost you some time? Yep. Will it be inconvenient? Do you want me to go on with the adverbs? Yes, they will. But it ain't your stuff. Use it for him. Secondly, will ever once in a while, will you choose his stuff over yours? Kind of like where Jesus said, you know, you might want to take some of the stuff you got and sell it so you can invest it in the eternal. I mean, that's just radical. Now, remember, the disciples he's talking about are, are, are poor. And he's telling them, if you ever get a, you know, a little bit more, you might want to think of downsizing so you can do more for the kingdom. I mean, come on. Really? Do you remember, Peter? Have we not left all for you? What's in it for us? That's in the Bible, by the way. And what did Jesus say? Did you look at Peter and say, you are so stupid? No. He said, Peter, hundredfold. He said, what I've got planned for you in eternity will blow your stinking mind. <laughs> so don't get caught up in the buggy you got to ride around in down here. 
Don't get caught up in the stuff and the phrase and the difficulties of life. You won't believe what I got for you over there. And will you invest spiritually into people's lives? Because you can. You can speak truth, speak life. We'll see a little bit of that tomorrow night too. I'm done. Preacher, you come on. Yeah, Pam, you come please. You know, the word that jumped out to me there at the end of the message is the same one we used earlier when we were getting ready to take the offering up, and that's the word investment. Amen. And we're familiar with investments, and we always think about it in the, in the financial light, don't we? Do you know it takes faith to make an investment? Did you agree with that tonight? Financially, when you invest in a certain corporation or company, and, amen, you are entrusting your earnings and investing your earnings into that company, believing that your investment is going to produce a return and a dividend. Well, there's such a thing as a spiritual investment as well. Now, we are to invest our finances. Amen. And God can take a little and make a lot out of, that, out of it. Do you believe that tonight? But boy, I tell you, one of the hardest things you'll do in life, I don't care if you're a pastor or a teacher, pew warmer, whatever, one of the hardest things to do is invest your life, your time, Time's precious, isn't it? My talents, my abilities, my treasures, just whatever. Invest it. Not in myself, but in somebody else. Believing that investment is going to reap a return and a reward. See, and the hard thing is about spiritual investments is that doesn't always happen here. Anybody ever felt as if you wasted your time on somebody? Ministering to somebody? Working with somebody? Helping somebody? Putting yourself out for somebody? I've wasted my time. I think how many times has God said, boy, I wasted a whole lot of investment in Nick Bailey. But he doesn't quit investing in us. Amen? Well, one of these days when we get to heaven, I believe with all my heart we'll realize that the investments that we made in the lives of other people is not a waste. But we will be rewarded for it. You say, preacher, what will be the reward? First of all, it'll be them. That was, that, the souls that were saved in Paul's ministry, that was his reward. The fruit... We talked about the other night. Amen. Hearing, hearing the Lord say well done. <laughs> Can you think of a better reward. 
than to know that your Savior that bled and died for you is pleased with the investment that you made in your life. But oh, I believe that there will be some tangible rewards. I, I believe we're going to reap a tangible reward when we get to heaven. Amen? Now, I, I, And I believe every amount will be different. And I believe it's going to be determined with what, by what we've done with what we were given. God give it to us. Did we bury it? Right? Isn't that the parable? The talents, did we bury it? Did we save it? Did we hoard it? Did we keep it to ourselves? Or did we invest it in the Lord's work? And our reward will be determined by the proportion of what we did with what we were given. Did we invest what God endowed and entrusted to us? Well, you're going to get a reward, and then what are you going to do with it? Well, you're not going to put it in your pocket. <laughs> you're going to be able to give it back as a love gift. Unto Jesus. It'll be sort of a recompensation. A recompense. I can never repay him for what he's done for me. But boy just to be able to give something back to him. Say Jesus I just want you to know I love you. And I'm going to take what you've given to me as a reward for the way I live my life on earth. And I'm going to lay it at your feet. I want to make sure I've got a return. <laughs> to give back to him. When I stand before him on judgment day. Amen. Let's all stand tonight. Let's pray and then we'll have the invitation. Father I love you. Thank you for the man of God tonight. Thank you for the word of God. Lord the question we asked the other night. Lord we've asked what's our ministry. Where's our fruit. But Lord we're not going to get any fruit. We're not going to get anything out of it unless we're willing to put something into it. And God, we cannot expect to reap a harvest in this life on our own and by ourselves. Father, my reward is not earthly. My reward is heavenly. God, by faith, help me to keep sowing. Not just sowing my finances, but Lord, sowing my time. God, everything you've given to me in life, Father, everything I have is a gift from you. Not just for me to enjoy by myself, but Lord, to take what you've given to me and use it to invest in the lives of sinners and other people. Oh God, I'm thankful for those who love me enough to invest. God, I'm so thankful for this preacher and his dear wife, Lord, that have demonstrated the love for my wife and myself and my family and this church. Lord, by traveling over that mountain year after year, 13 years now, to lay themselves aside to invest themselves in us. God, we could go on and on. And every one of us here tonight are here because somebody loved us enough to invest themselves in us. God, when we get to heaven, we'll be fruit into their account. <laughs> what a blessing. But oh God, Lord, I want to have a reward. Lord, not selfishly for me to enjoy, but Lord, a reward that I can use, God, 
and to give back to you as a love gift for all you've done for me. Lord, are we investing our lives? What have you given to us, Lord? Father, you've given more to some than you have others, but every one of us have been entrusted an amount of time, treasures, talents, whatever it is. God, are we investing it? Or are we withholding it? God, help us by faith to give it back to you and to give it to others and trust you to take what we give and yield a profit in somebody else's life. God bless if somebody needs to come, help them to do so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As Miss Pam plays, I have decided to follow Jesus. Let's sing that chorus tonight. You mind the Lord if God would have you to come. Amen. Maybe you just want to come and say, Oh Lord, I want to thank you for what you've given to me, but Lord, I want to take it and lay it at your feet now. Lord, it's not mine, it's yours. I'm giving my life, I'm giving my house, I'm giving my car. I'm giving those, my family to you, trusting you to take what you've given to me and use it to make a difference in somebody else's life. Let's sing if you need to come, the altar's open. I have decided, sing with me tonight, to follow Jesus. Anybody want to come and lay something at His feet tonight? Lord, I want to give it back to you. Is God putting His finger on something in your life? Something you've been holding back? You know, the truth is God will ask the most precious and the most valuable thing you have. Why don't you give it to Him so He can take it and use it for His glory? Let's sing again. Sing that chorus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Why don't you worship Him? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning. Though none go with me. Though none go with me. Still I will follow. None go with me. Still I will follow. Though none go with me. Still I will follow. No turning back. No. The world behind me, the cross before me. The behind me the cross before me the world behind me the cross before me the world behind me the cross before me no 
turning back. I have decided. Sing the chorus one more time. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to Think about the words Jesus asked to Pe asked Peter when the majority forsook him. And Jesus said, "Wilt thou also go away?" Peter responded, as he most off, most always did. Uh, most times, Peter said the right thing most of the time, but when he didn't, he blew it bad. He said, "Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life." Who am I going to turn to besides Jesus? Where am I going to run to besides Jesus? Amen? What else do we have besides our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Have you enjoyed being in the Lord's house tonight? Boy, it is my honor to have my dear buddy, Chris. Chris, would you dismiss us in a word of prayer tonight? Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, God. Y'all hold on just a second. Miss Nadine has requested that we uh, anoint her tonight uh, by faith. Uh, amen. She's standing in, not on her own behalf, but on behalf of somebody else. And uh, if, uh, Dad and Josh, if you're an ordained authority, would you come? And we're going to just uh, have special prayer for Miss Nadine. And I, Mike, you come too. And I, I, again, I want to remind you, there's no power in the oil. This is representative. Amen. And most of all, healing is not according to our, our will, but according to his will. But I believe God's able. Do you tonight believe that the Lord's able? So we're going to do this. And anybody that would like to gather around with us tonight, uh, amen, and pray with her, you, can, you, can, you feel free to do so. Maybe there's somebody else that has a special need this evening. Okay, all right. All right. Holly, will you stand in on his behalf, please? Anybody else? Amen.